Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. It came as a shock when he healed Pips to a gallop downslope. What under the light am I doing? Well, he could not just stand by and let them all go to their deaths like geese to the knife. He would warn them. That was all. Tell them what lay in wait ahead. Then he was gone. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 40 to 44 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 44, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 44, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Nynaeve tries to evade Galad and fails. Galad offers to find Nynaeve and Elaine a ship as well, and Uno offers to leave Gildan with them when they go. Nynaeve makes him promise to obey her, then returns to Luca's show and reports to an incredulous Elaine. Rand prepares to confront the Shido, observing them from a telescope on a watchtower. Egwene will fight from there, where she can see to weave lightning at the enemy. Matt tries to talk himself into leaving before the battle starts. He goes to tell Rand he's leaving and ends up studying the battle maps laid out in the command tent. Land solicits Matt's thoughts on a coming battle, and Matt reflexively draws on the other men's memories inside his head while studying the problem. Rand bids Matt a safe journey and feels ashamed for using him. Land accuses Rand of wearing a sword because he plans to fight Kool'idin himself. Rand has appointed the Maidens to guard Egwene at the Watchtower, to keep them out of the main fighting. They turn the tables by surrounding Rand and forcing him to join Egwene. Avienda will also join them. Matt rides south, dodging Shido in an attempt to escape the battlefield, but circumstances conspire to keep him in the thick of things. He spots a contingent of Tyran and Kyrianan soldiers about to get bushwhacked and helps them turn the tables. Rand, Egwene, and Avienda have just about worn themselves out channeling lightning and fire at the Shido. Rand feels Sidene being woven just before lightning topples the watchtower with them on it, crushing several of the maidens. Rand realizes Samael is responsible. Matt continues to look for a way out, and continues to end up in the thick of things. He learns that Kool'idin is marching in his direction unawares, and sets the bait for a crushing pincer attack. Rand, too exhausted to think straight, muses on his past life dealings with Samael. He learns that the battle is over, and the last of the Aiel clans are coming to him. Bleeding from the old wound in his side, he collapses. Okay, things are happening again. Yeah. We have one little section with Nynaeve where nothing happens, and yeah. then stuff happens. Yeah, nothing really happens with Nynaeve. Basically, no. she runs into Kalad. Yeah, and more Shine Irons. Yeah, that's about it. Yep. It does seem as though we are approaching the end of Val and Luca's traveling circus, the Ark. She does have several people looking for boats for her. Yes. She's got Masima, Galad, mm-hmm. all of the Shinarans. Yep. And there's just a contingent of Shinarans that are going to go with them when yeah, they get on she's a boat. Like, she's like, I've got myself an army. <laughs> yep. Okay, Nynaeve. All right. It does seem like Nynaeve is really starting to get back to herself. I think meeting the Shinarans kind of kicked it back yeah. into gear. And I think it's partially because, like, they didn't see her at her worst. So she doesn't have to try to 
recover from them seeing her in a certain way. She right. can just be the person she was when she last saw them. Yeah. Which I think is helpful. It's hard to recover if someone's seen you at your worst. I think it's a little bit of that and also what happened with Brigitte was rock bottom. She hadn't hit the bottom yet until yeah. the thing with Brigitte. Yeah. And then she did and she can go up from there. She's not, she wasn't falling anymore. No, she wasn't. Yeah, that was kind of her rock bottom. Yeah. So that's basically all of the relevant stuff. <laughs> Other than Brigitte, like shooting a bunch of arrows at her. Yeah, well, that they, actually they have a show. Happens. Yeah, because when Nynaeve left, it was the middle of the show. Yeah, so they actually went through with it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, God, I don't want to have to do this every time. Please, <laughs> someone find a boat. Yeah. I'd rather be on a boat than deal with this. And we know how Nynaeve feels about boats, she so that's like saying boats. something. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all of the, all of that stuff. Yeah. The big thing that happened in this section is we finally get the confrontation with the Shido. Yes. And it's a little weird, and we'll talk about it later, because there's still a good chunk of this book left. Yeah, and I don't know. That's why I think it fell a little flat, is it was just too early. It is a little early. I know what happens in the rest of it, and so I know why it's a little early. Yeah. Well, that is the podcast. That is the podcast. But, and I can guess why, but it still is like, it Ooh, fell why, flat. why do you think why it's so early? What do you think is left to be dealt with now? Well, we've got the Nynaeve and Elaine stuff. Yeah. We still have Mogideon. We do still have Mogideon. Do you think that this is kind of the end of the Rand arc for this book? Honestly, at this point, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> That's fair enough. All I know is that this felt flat, and the there I think is at this point, a specific reason why I think it falls flat, and it's a common criticism with this book. We needed to see the end of the battle. We needed to see the end of the like battle. what the hell was Matt up to? Yeah, where why we, did Rand pass out? Well, we know why Rand passed out. Well, but like where we didn't see him pass out, and we just found him woken up two hours after the end of the battle. Like, in the middle of somewhere where he doesn't even know where he is. Like, yeah. there's just a big missing chunk, and you, like, <laughs> skipped over the action. It's, it's and an it interesting choice. It just makes this book a little bit worse. Like, I just keep reading it, and it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> I like it. The pacing. I think... The pacing. So, I, I think why he didn't write it that way, and we'll get into the details of all of the different things that happened, because quite a few things happen. But I think why he didn't do it that way is he didn't want it to basically just be a mirror of Shadow Rising, where it ends with this large-scale battle. I guess the Battle of the Two Rivers wasn't like a large-scale battle. It was a lot of Trollocs. It was like a huge, huge battle. But, like, they didn't want it... He didn't want it to end with basically the same event, but different... You mean, like, books one, two, and three? Yeah. <laughs> At least books one, two, and three are a little different each time. He's he's fighting the same guy. He is fighting the same guy. You're not wrong. Look, but... look, it's a fantasy novel. If I don't get a big battle at the end, what am I reading it for? We're not at the end. We have, like, a solid 15% of this book left. Yeah, but you're just, you just said, like, he didn't want to have a big battle be the end. A big, like, pitched battle with armies. Clearly, the Forsaken are starting to move. 
That's There's still true. Ogedian. Samuel was directly involved in this battle. Yeah, he just kind of pops up out of nowhere. doing then... something. We end this section with Rand falling unconscious from his old wound and uh, Asmodian channeling into him. Probably try to keep him alive or maybe not. Who knows? Well, I know. That's the podcast. That's the podcast. I feel but like we need a that's the podcast button. We really maybe do. But yeah, the, the Forsaken are starting to move. And we also know that Robin is taking a much more active hand in things now. Yeah, I don't anticipate us getting back to that storyline. That's fair. This book. That's very it, fair. It ended a plot point, and so... It ended with Morgay's leaving. Right. It, like, it resolved part of that arc. Do you think that's something for Elaine to go deal with? She's really the only other person with a tie to the crown. Yeah, I, have I guess no it could idea. be Perrin. Perrin's in Andor. The Two Rivers is part of Andor. He he's Lord, arguably, of the Two Rivers now. He doesn't want to be. Right. So like maybe Gabriel summons him or something. Yeah, I don't see Perrin going. That's fair. But yeah, I have not really put much thought into that. I kind of forgot it happened in this book. Okay. So yeah, that's very very fair. Let's take the battle from the beginning, because there is a small amount of setup. The interesting things here are definitely in what is Matt doing in this battle? The Rand stuff is kind of interesting in that, like, we get another kind of piece of the puzzle with, like, Rand is very powerful because he's doing stronger things at further distances for longer with the power than both uh, Elaine and, not Elaine, Egwene and Avienda. Yeah. But he's the Dragon Reborn, and they're random channelers from the Third Age. Like, big surprise. Yeah. So the Matt stuff is really where it's interesting. And one of the first things that happens with Matt is he walks into this tent to tell Rand that he's going to leave. And Rand's not in there. Asmodian's just hanging out because Asmodian just chills. Yeah, that's basically his whole... He's a vibe. He is a vibe. And that's weird because he's a Forsaken, but Asmodian's a whole-ass vibe. He kind of is. And he's just sitting there playing some morose songs. (laughs) And Matt's just like, can you play happier things? And he just gets sadder. Yeah. And Lan walks in, and there are battle plans on the table. And Matt's taking a look at these battle plans and reading them and giving, like, a very detailed, like, offhand but also very detailed account of, like, what strategy he would use and what strategy the opponent might use and how you might counter that and what your strengths and your weaknesses are with your units. And, like, he can hear himself when he's like, fuck, I opened my mouth. I should not have opened my mouth. But, like, like, but I've already done it, so now i got to finish it. This is Matt's whole thing, this entire section, is, like, I don't want to be doing this, but, fuck, someone's going to do it wrong, so I guess i got to do it. Yeah, and with the battle plan specifically, he's like, oh, I thought I read that. I think I read this in a book somewhere. Yeah, totally. I read this in a book. And Lan is just like, what uh-huh. is happening? <laughs> Lan is whole, like, he's got the confused face. You know that meme with, like, the sort numbers? Of, yeah. That's kind of him in his head, right, in this whole section, like, with Matt and then, like, Rand later, too. We got a lot more Lan in this section, which I appreciate. It's always a good time when Lan has lines. Yes. And Lan needs lines. Yes. And what happens after this is... When when Matt leaves, Matt Matt tells Rand he's going to leave, and Rand's like, cool, get out while you can. Yeah. Have uh, fun. Bye. Yeah. And then Rand and Lan have a conversation where Rand's like, I thought that would happen. It's good to know that that's a thing. He's like, okay, so that is what happened when he was in 
Yeah. The doorway or whatever. It's just he comes in. He's like, I only caught the tail end of that, but like, was it that the entire time? And Lan's like, yeah. Yeah, he basically laid out their entire strategy. And like, none of these people are great captains, but Lan is not an idiot when it comes to battle tactics. The Aiel are not idiots when it comes to battle tactics. Right. We've got a bunch of really talented people. Who together came up with this really solid plan. Like, right. if any one of them individually came up with the plan, it probably wouldn't have been as good. But you had people bouncing off of each other um, and, like... I don't know if that's necessarily true, just because I feel like tactics is not something that lends itself as well to collaboration. Until you're, like, you put out your plan and someone's like, all right, yes, but instead of this little piece of it, how about we try this instead? Yeah, uh, that could definitely work. And, and that's not and how I felt like Leanne put it, too. Is that, like, yeah. with everyone's help, they kind of put this plan together. Yeah. It, it speaks to Matt's now inherited talent, for sure. And to be fair, Matt does have a lot of different battle captains in his head. So he, he does. was piecing together information from a bunch of different people to come up with this plan, which is exactly what the Aiel did. Yeah. And the other thing we find out here is that Rand set this up. He he knew Matt was going to come, and he was not there intentionally and had Land walk in. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah. That, that whole encounter was staged. That's weird. Rand's getting a little manipulative, and he knows it. And he feels bad. But also, he knows that, you know, he's got to do kind of unsavory stuff sometimes to not let the world fall to the shadow. Yeah. He's even having to find himself do some kind of personally distasteful stuff, like letting the Maidens be much more actively involved in the fighting than he would like them to be. And, you know, they're Maidens, so get over that, Rand. They're pretty effective. Yeah, he, like, is trying to keep them out of it, which is, like, he's got, why? He's got these ideas that, like, women shouldn't be in the, the front lines, and but they're Maidens. They're really good at it. Also, like, at this, like... The Aiel have demonstrated that there isn't really gender construct in a certain way. You know, at least well, when it comes to like the battle. Of, their concept of gender roles is dramatically different than Rand's or ours. Yeah, they're more like equal. It's not necessarily like your gender dictates what role you are in. It's what role you are in. Yeah. dictates how you are supposed to act. Right. Like wise women are very different from maidens. Yeah. And so Rand is kind of forced by the maidens to put them. He doesn't put them on the front lines. He is just sidelined also by them. Yeah, he sidelines them and they're like, all right, fine. We're going to do the same to you. Yeah. And we're going to use your logic against you. Yeah, because he has Egwene and Avienda in this watchtower to kind of call lightning down on the enemy Shido. And they're like... Well, if they're going to be effective, you're going to be effective there. So you should stay with us. Yeah, because he has the maidens guarding them and, like, guarding Moraine, who's... Moraine is healing. Moraine is healing. Moraine can't really participate in the battle because, you know, three... She's actually three bound oaths. by the oaths. <laughs> Unlike a certain, quote, unquote, I said I. Yeah. Uh, although I feel like more, there's a pretty good justification for Moraine to start throwing down... Some, with some fireballs after lightning hits the tower. Like, she just needs to feel like her life is in danger. Or that 
in danger of another eyes to die, but technically Egwene's not an eyes to die, but she isn't accepted. Because the three oaths, it's unless your life or the life of another eyes to die is threatened. Yeah, so once or, Egwene gets hurt. Or warders. Or warders. So once Egwene gets hurt, then like she's fair game. Yeah. And if Lan got hurt, which it's Lan, I don't think he got hurt at all. No. Like, so, you know, she could have gotten involved then. Sort of. She's not an eyes to die, but she is accepted. Yeah, I don't know how the oaths would cover that. The other thing is that the oaths are very restrictive. So I think she could have probably gotten there after the lightning started coming down against them. But the issue is that once she no longer feels threatened, she can't do it. Yeah. So if it happened once and then it didn't happen again, eventually, pretty quickly, she'd stop being able to channel offensively. Yeah. She also may not, and I think that this is the case, may not be able to channel against the Shido if she thinks that it's not the Shido. And it's not. Right. It's lightning. Yeah. It's lightning, and I think for... Probably not for Egwene or Avienda, but for Moraine, it's probably pretty obvious that it's Sidene and not Sidar because Rain sensed it. Yeah. Which does mean that Samuel's pretty close. Right. And then he just kind of disappears. He's. Rand is operating at a distance of like five to ten miles in the, in the battle, which is like a long way. Yeah. They're up on a watchtower to get a really good view. So Samuel is within a similar distance. He's not, like, right there. And he waits. Samuel is a tactician, so Samuel waits until Rand is exhausted from fucking up some Shido to call down lightning on Rand so that Rand can't retaliate. Which means he has to be close enough to be able to kind of see Rand, Um, I feel like, or at least sense him. I don't know if sense is necessary, and he might be able to sense at a great distance because he's pretty experienced. Yeah. And he also probably can just, you know, assume. Like, it's a relatively safe assumption that... If you've been channeling for that long, you're going right. to get tired. So, that is some of the early stuff. There, There's a little bit with Avienda. Yeah. She's been a lot nicer to him lately. I, I guess Igloo fun times worked. And he did bring up marriage one more time. Yep. <laughs> and she did not like that. Good job, Rand, I guess. And when, when Rand gets knocked unconscious, so when Samuel channels lightning at the tower... He, like, senses it coming, and so then he, like, kind of grabs Egwene and Avienda to kind of get them together so that he can try to brace them. Like, he's trying to yeah. prevent everyone from falling to their death. He gets knocked unconscious. Yeah. And Avienda is like, you can't die because I need to take you to Elaine. First she says, I need you... And then she kind of, like, even backtracks, even though she, like, yeah, it's great. And then she's like, if you die, I'm just going to bring you to her dead. Yeah. Okay. Avienda, you clearly need to sort some things out with Elaine. Yeah. They they need to sort things out. Fortunately for both of them, Avienda's Aiel, which means, one, she'll probably be very direct. And two, if Elaine's open to it, that's not a weird thing for her. Yeah, it's not a weird thing for Aiel. And clearly, uh, Elaine's already resigned herself to, well, if I have to share Rand, that's true. That's fine. Avienda's the only person who doesn't know it. Yeah. She, like, like, Elaine has processed it, and she's yeah. like, all right, fine. Like, I, if I have to share Rand, 
I have to share Rand. Like, or, and it's not necessarily, like, the vision isn't specifically Rand. He says, like, you will share your husband with yeah. two other people. And she's kind of like, well, Rand's worth it, at least. Like, I guess. She's decided Rand is worth it. Yeah. The way her logic sounds, it's not necessarily, like, any of her husbands would be worth it. <laughs> like, if she had gotten, like, an arranged marriage sort of thing, uh-huh. she probably would be like, no, I am not dealing with that for that guy. Right. But, like, if she got to pick the husband. Yeah. Clearly, and... she loves him enough to make it, like, oh, well, I'd rather be with you than not with you because I can't share you. Yeah. And on the arranged marriage thing, it's not even, like, like, Rand's the Dragon Reborn. He's functionally King of Tear. Yeah. Now he is, standing-wise, her equal. Yep. He's the Aiel Chief of Chiefs, too. Yeah. He's just accumulating titles at this point. Both him and Perrin. Yeah. And who's to say what's going to happen with him and Kyrian? Because the Shido are terrorizing the country. And, and they have no king. And he saved them. And they have no king. Is that... That's because... That's because Tom murdered Tom murdered, murdered him. Okay. I was like trying to get places together and yep. they mentioned regicide and I was like, was that Tom? That was Tom. And, it, it, and you know, this is another... That small thing is a strength of the Wheel of Time again, where that small, not really small, but that not major plot point two books ago, three books ago, that happened in book two. Was it book two? It was book two. Three books ago, Tom murdered a king. Because he killed his girlfriend. Because he killed his girlfriend. Now, that destabilizing effect... Is probably going to make Rand king of Tyr. Kyrian. Kyrian, Yeah. And it's making it a lot easier for the Shido to invade. Although, doesn't Elaine have a claim to Kyrian? Elaine does have a claim to Kyrian. So he might just be like, all right, I'm going to sit here and I'm like king of Tyr uh-huh. or king of Kyrian yeah. until Elaine gets here. But then, I mean, if they're married, then they're both. That's true. I don't know if he would be, He's he would not be king of Andor. There are no kings of Andor. No, but like if, you know, they get, if he was acting king of Kyrian and then Elaine comes in and claims her right and then they get married and they're basically like co-rulers of Kyrian. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like, I don't know what the title is for somebody who's married to the monarch of Andor, uh, not of Andor, of Kyrian. If, because it could be an interesting situation where he's king of Kyrian through marriage to Elaine and like prince consort of Andor. Actually, hold on. I don't even know that the person who's married to the Queen of Andor even has a title. He's okay with that. They probably do. Rand doesn't want titles. Rand doesn't want titles. There probably is a title. I just don't remember it right now. But also it would be not that weird if there wasn't a title given Andor's particular history. But it's also not necessarily weird for you to be a ruler of one place and then like consort of another. That's like the king of france and mary queen of scots same thing like she was still queen of scots he was king of france yeah they weren't king and queen in each other's countries right it was just like a con i mean well i think they used that title of king and queen but it was like consort yeah there's always an an attachment but in andor it's not even like king consort no they ain't fucking with that no no kings no kings ever only queens only queens on the lion throne yes one last Rand thing. We're just going through all the Rand stuff, I guess, before we get to the bulk of the Matt stuff. Towards, well, we started with the Matt stuff. We did start with the Matt stuff. we had the detour of Rand. Look, we've never claimed to go through this in chronological order. No. So why start now? 
And we've never even claimed to go in the order in which I type up my notes. Nope. We bounce around. Yep. And my notes bounce around. Because usually I try to align it by chunks of plot points, and then we end up just getting it. No, we do what we want. We have ADHD. Yeah. So. Yeah. So one last Rand thing. When Rand wakes up, he's being, like, carried around by maidens. He's stubborn enough to not get fully carried. Because they wanted to basically just, like, put him in a litter and truck him away. And he's like, no, no, no. Bring me my horse. Bring me my horse. And then he mounts the horse. And Egwene is like, are you struggling there to get on your horse? And he's like, so are you. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) And they both kind of just, like, fall into silence. Because neither one of them wants to get taken out of the battle. No. And the maidens would do that. Even though one of them is clearly very injured. And she's like, I'm not injured. Yep. And he's just like, Like, bleeding profusely. Like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) Just a scratch. And he's like, all right, fine, whatever. And he thinks to himself, like, I know she's not going to let anyone who has a scratch join the battle. Like, even just like a little paper cut, yet bleeding profusely. Yep. And then they ride around some more, and they do some more channeling. And then at the end of the battle, they, towards the end of the battle, they, like, meet up with Lan. Yeah. Rand is just just on his own. Egwene and Avienda have gone back. And Lan's, like, trying to coax Rand to go back. But Rand is just roaming the countryside at this point, obliterating groups of Shido. He's just desperately holding on to Sidene and smiting things with God's wrath. Well, he is desperately holding on to Sidene because it's literally the only thing keeping him from realizing how much pain he is because he's bleeding out. Yeah, he fell, and surprise, surprise, the old wound from Ishamayel broke open. Yep. That thing is going to kill him. That's what's going to kill him. He's not going to get actually killed or actually murdered. He's going to... He's going to bleed out. He's going to bleed out. Okay. That's what's going to... end. last page, Rand, just like... He's done... He's he's fought the last battle. He is now happily living on a farm with Elaine. Okay. And everyone. I was going to ask if you think the series ends with him dying after the last battle. He's like, he's happily living, trying not to go mad with his three women. Yep. And he like falls tending to some sheep and they don't see him and, that, and then he bleeds out. That's the end. Okay. <laughs> the end of the Wheel of Time podcast over. <laughs> Probably that, that not. That would be a weird way to confirm if that were true or not. <laughs> <laughs> That would also be a really weird ending. I hope that's not what it is. That would be an interesting ending, for sure. But yeah, so he's just like kind of riding around, channeling and doing some stuff. And Lan's like, the battle's battle's over. over. The battle's over. You're good. The doctor's gone. (laughs) And Well, it's more like, you need to go see the doctor. Yeah. The doctor's not gone. (laughs) No, Moraine's not going anywhere. And he's like, I gotta find Egwene and Avienda. And he's like... They're, They're with back at the Moraine. camp. He, they realized that you can't run on empty fumes. They've gotten healed and now they're sleeping. Can you please come back to the camp? Yep. Dadlan is <laughs> full. He's in full Dadlan mode, and he's Rand's just not having it. He's no. delirious. He's barely functioning. He's, like, starting to have, like, weird thoughts based on Luz Theron's memories. Yeah, he's having weird memory times, and finally... I guess maybe it's not that hard to think that it could just be him being delirious, because 
The only things he does, he has a weird thought about Samuel. Yeah. Who he calls by his actual name. I think he says it out loud, too. He's mumbling. And because he says something and Asmodian's there, too? Asmodian's there at the end because when they, they, he collapses when they get back to the camp. Lan tells him that the battle is over and that they should go back to the camp. And he's and some maiden like has the lead and is actively leading the horse back. Yeah. He's like, I didn't notice that she had that before. And yeah. yeah, they get back to the camp. He lets go of Sidene finally when he actually realizes that it's over. Yeah. And that the clans are coming to him. It's bad. He like has a seizure, falls out of the horse. And Lan's just like screaming for Moraine. Yeah. And Asmodian channels into him. I don't know if that's to keep him alive or, or to kill him. To kill him. <laughs> I would hope. Be something. I hope it's to keep him alive because I'm kind of rooting for Asmodian. Okay, you, you want a full heel face turn? Yeah, I want Asmodian to know like he's cut off from the Dark One. Yeah. So I want him to just be like, eh, if I'm already cut off, I can't go back to him because he's gonna kill me. So I might as well be a good guy. Like that is true. He wasn't the worst of the Forsaken, from what we've heard about him. No. Like, he did some bad things, but, like, he's not Robin. No, he's I not think, Robin. I and think Robin, Robin is, is the worst of the Forsaken. No, he isn't. Arguably, Aganor is. Aganor created Trollocs and Murdral and Draggar and all of the other Shadowspawn. But, and, like, content warning, I guess... Robin's raping a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, no. Robin is not good. Robin's the worst. Robin is solidly in the bottom quarter of the Forsaken, but there is human genealogy in Trollocs. That's also bad, (laughs) but just like... It's not good. (sighs) Robin is currently doing the worst things. He's currently... Actively the worst. He's the worst. He's as the far worst as we of the know. Forsaken. We, we don't know what the others are up to. Agador, Grindel, I guess, is on the same. Grendel is also not good. Yeah, those three. I'd say Agador, Robin, and Grendel. Yeah. Well, Agador is not so bad anymore. Well, he's dead. He's dead. But, like, if, you ha- if you're putting all of the Forsaken in a ranking, those three are fighting it out at the top. Uh, yeah. Lanfear is honestly not even that bad. Um, She's just crazy. Lanfear gets... A couple of extra bad points. For being from being crazy? Uh not for being crazy, but for being the person who let the Dark One free. Again, these are base level, just like random evil person stuff. But also being really the only person who didn't have to be coerced or bribed into becoming a Forsaken. All of the that other ones true. fell to some sort of character flaw, pretty much. Yeah. Lanfear wanted it. Yeah. So she, we haven't seen her do awful things necessarily. I mean, not like she's just, just your garden variety evil right yeah. now and crazy. But I, I would I argue. I feel like she's like the base level. She's, she's like, in the middle. She's in the middle and it, the game is in sorting. Are you worse or better than Lanfear? Yeah. And then you sort from there. Yeah. So far. Aganor I, is better than Lanfear. Aganor is better. Agnor, God, no. Asmodian, Asmodian is better. Is better. I would put Samael on, on par with Lanfear. We haven't seen, like, Ilian's not doing great, but it's not. I'd say he's better. Decaying. I'd say he's better than Lanfear simply because he's not as crazy. He's he's just like a mega dick. Yeah, he's like right below Lanfear. Yeah, and funnily, his, one of his 
reasons for becoming a Forsaken was that he's just jealous of, he's like angry with Luz Theron for, I guess, pitying him. He was like a, a very dedicated soldier of the light. And then... And then Luz Theron was mean to him? Luz Theron was a dick to him. So then he so joined he became the a Forsaken. Samuel's just a dick. He's yeah. king of the dicks. Yeah. Asmodian was jealous of other people doing better art. Yeah. I guess Samuel's kind of like Snape. It's just kind of... Yes, Samuel is very Snape-like. Except for, spoiler alert, there is nothing redeeming about Samuel. There's very little redeeming have, about Snape. There's very little redeeming about Snape. And if there was going to be a Slytherin to get a redemption arc, it should have been Draco Malfoy. He was a child. <laughs> but that's not what this podcast is about. Nope, it's not a Harry Potter podcast. It won't ever be a Harry Potter podcast. It won't podcast. ever be a Harry Potter podcast. So Rand collapses. <laughs> We definitely, uh, you know, are super focused all the time. Oh, super focused all the time. Let's talk about Matt. Matt? It can be summed up, this whole section, as, Matt, I would like to leave now. Also, Matt, damn it, they're doing it wrong, and now i got to go fix it. Yep. That's Matt. That's he's, Matt the entire section. He starts to ride away, and he's having a fine time. He sees he's, the well, battle. He's escaping, and he's have he gets shot at, and he, and he misses because he's lucky. Yeah. It's Matt. And he's like, I would have honestly been impressed with the with the aim if they hadn't been aiming at me. Yeah. And he's leaving it. It looks like he's going to get out. And then he sees them doing it wrong. And he's yep. like, ah, damn it. He sees a group of Tyron and Kyrianan soldiers. Wyramon is supposed to be over here. He's nowhere to be found. Rand sent him away, we learn later. No. Yeah. The Rand says that somewhere, I think. Rand did not. Wyramon said that Rand sent him away. Oh, he just dipped? Yeah. That's why those tyrants were there, because they were assuming that there was another group of soldiers to stop them from getting ambushed. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because Rand was like, I gave them some instructions. Hopefully they followed them, because <laughs> Weimerman dipped. Yup. He just went AWOL. Yup. Weimerman, super Weimerman. great guy. Yeah. He's in the lower quarter of tyrant high lords. Um, I mean, they're all high lords, so they're not. They're already in a disservice. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> anyway, there's this group, and they're going to get ambushed by some Shido, and Matt's just like, I should just let them. I should just let it happen. And he's like, No, I got to warn them. Yeah, so he rides down and he warns them, and and they give him a little bit of shit because they're like, No, the dragon gave us these orders, and it's like I am friends with the dragon, and then and they the start like, calling him Lord, and he's yeah, like, I'm not a lord. It takes an officer who recognizes him to be there, though. Because at first, the like, random soldiers are like, no, you idiot. You're a random guy on a horse. We're soldiers who have orders from the Dragon Reborn. And, yeah, so someone recognizes him, and then they're like, all right, we'll lead this half. But only if you lead the other half. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm in this now. And then they, they survive the ambush. They do very well because, you know, Matt's good and he's lucky. Yeah, and, like, well, he, th- he says that they aren't doing as hot as the Tyrian lords think they're doing, but... They're doing all right. Yeah. And he's like, I should just get everyone out. We should retreat so that I can retreat even further. Yeah. <laughs> and but, then instead he's like, oh, I see Kool-Aidin. Yeah. And they like set an ambush and they split up their forces and they use them effectively. And they they like run a ruse where they're like calling out to protect the dragon reborn to draw Kool-Aidin in. It's a genius plan. Cause so Matt's like, all right, we're gonna charge at them and then we're gonna stop. And then we're gonna turn and run. 
and as we're doing so, we're going to say we need to protect the dragon so yeah. Coolden thinks, one, that and we're retreating, have... so then we have the advantage, and two, right. he's going to... It ensures that he's going to follow us because right. the, he thinks that we have and, Matt and, and or Rand. the cavalry is going to come in behind him. Yep. And they're just going to get smashed in a pincer. It's a genius plan that we don't get to yeah. see. So when the show came out and the cold open for episode seven happened and the blood snow happened, we get to see it. And, you know, if for no, if nothing else, I will love the show for that. There was another scene. There's that another you said you scene. Wanted. That you don't get to see, and it is Matt defeating Kooladin. Because I assume that's what happens here. It's Tavirin. It's because we see, like, we see Matt. I'm gonna set a plot. I'm gonna set a trap for Kooladin, and then we skip to Rand. I'm having weird memory times, and now I'm gonna fall off a horse. <laughs> the battle's over. You've won decisively. <laughs> there's like three Shido left. You got the rest of the clans. Yeah. Well, there's way more than three Shido left, but. They did win decisively. Comparatively to how many Shido yeah. there were, there's like three and left. how many Aiel there are now. Or non-Shido Aiel, because I guess the Shido are still technically Aiel. Eh. Anyway, they... They were not following Aiel ideals anymore. They were no, straight they up weren't. killing people for no reason, and that's not Aiel. And taking like full-on slaves. Yeah. No, they weren't Aiel anymore. The rest of the Aiel were like, you are not Aiel. Yeah, that is very fair. Yeah, like... I would have wanted to see at least a little bit. Yeah, just like even like the initial like clash of the battle lines. Right. Let at least confirm that like fade to black with it. Yeah. Don't just completely go closed door and then I and am... mention it after the fact. Do like a fade to black. I want to see a little bit. I want to see a little bit of the flirting. I want to see In... a little bit of the <laughs> the battle floor play, and then you can and then you can fade to black. <laughs> In the grand scheme of this book, I understand why this section happened the way it happened. We haven't seen the whole picture yet. We haven't. There's still we still have two more sections. We still have a little over fifteen percent of the book left. Yes. Actually, a good deal over 15% of the book left. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And so I understand why this happened, and I understand why it is broken up the way it is, because it's meant to do two things. It's meant to show Rand's adjusted role. He's not on the front lines. He's supporting. He needs to learn his limits so he doesn't collapse. Yep. And we learn that Matt has an aptitude for tactics and battle and not for fighting. Like we never see Matt fight. They skip over all of the bits where they would actively be fighting in like one-on-one combat or, you know, in a battle line. It's all Matt making a plan and then the plan has executed. What's the next thing that's going on? And again, I would like to just see a little bit <laughs> of the battle foreplay before yeah. we fade to black. I, <laughs> before yeah. we fade to black. I feel this way also about sex scenes in books, so at least I'm consistent. <laughs> Just give true. me a little bit and then fade to black. They gotta cuddle, warm for warm up in the igloo, and, and then, then you can, can fade, fade to, to black. black. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but but basically, that's not the point of this combat. The point of this combat is the roles that Matt and Rand are finding themselves in. I know. I just want to see Matt do cool things. <laughs> I'm that girly. That's totally fair. And we do get to see Matt do cool things. The book's not over yet. There's still some stuff. I hope the show gives it to us. I really hope the show gives it to us. I'm going to be upset if the show doesn't give it to us. I am too. Because they gave us the blood snow. Granted, you know, between 
Matt defeating Kooladin and the Blood Snow. If I had to pick one, it's the Blood Snow. Now that I've seen the Blood Snow, I think I'd have to say the Blood Snow. But just based on like what the scenes are about, I, yeah. I would have picked Matt. And, and plot-wise, if you had to pick one... Matt defeating Kooladin is more integral to the plot, or seeing Matt defeat Kooladin is more integral to the plot than seeing the Blood Snow. You we just see, need to know that it happened. We see enough of the Aiel women being badasses that we don't necessarily need to see right. Rand's mom being a badass. However, that woman was using contractions as moments in battle pauses, and it, yeah. was, it was flawless. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. We need to see Matt kill Kooladin. Yes. Mainly because the guy's a dick and I want to see him die. Yup. It, it was, in, interestingly, it was mentioned that Asmodian gave Kooladin his tattoos. Yeah, did we know that already? I don't think we knew that. They just kind of like threw that out there. They, they did. Although it does make sense because before, it would have been before we realized who Asmodian was. It was when yeah. he was still in the tail and... Yeah. Or yeah. Before... He was shielded because he was—he's still Natal. Well, yeah, but like when so, we, we when we only knew him as Natal, yeah. and it was meant to be a distraction because they were looking for something in Roydian, and so they're like, "Yeah, let's cause havoc." Yeah, they're looking for one of those access keys, right? Or I guess two—they're just looking for any number of access keys. So, like, technically, it's Asmodian's fault, but you know, yeah. But Kooladin would have done it no matter what. Maybe Kooladin would have been a problem no matter what. I, I think yes, he would have been a problem. I don't think he would have been nearly as big of a problem because the tattoos are good. They're like really good tattoos created by the One Power by, I'm assuming, an expert because Asmodian's an artist. He is. (laughs) Asmodian, One Power tattoo artist. I mean, I guess. Probably would be much easier than actually tattooing somebody. I mean, isn't that kind of also what happens to Rand? Doesn't he kind of just get one power tattoos? I guess. I I, I guess it is a Turing Real, so. It's one power tattoos. Yeah, interesting. But Kooladins are fake. Rands are not fake. Well, he didn't earn them. He didn't earn them. They are, I mean, I guess as real as Rands. It's true. In terms of. I wonder if it is actually like the same thing, like if the weave used to create it is the same. Like, it's not like you can just throw some water on Kooladin and they're going to start No, slipping. although it's the Aiel waste. Maybe you could. I doubt they've taken a bath. They ha- they do have they, sweat tents. They have and sweat they, tents. They scrub so, off. Yeah, they scrub off. So yeah. it's not like you can just throw some water on them and it's going to gonna slip. And, yeah. That's true. Like, they are tattoos. Yeah. No. He just didn't earn them. No, no, no. Because he is not Karakarn. No. So what do you think is left other than the Mogidian stuff? This was what we had built up to be the kind of climax, the, one of the last things that happened in this book. And, you know, I, I think it's not that way to avoid it being just a repeat of Shadow Rising, but it does lead to what's left in this book. Yeah, and that I don't know, because we've got... I'm trying to think of the plot points that we've had in this book. There are three main ones. This one, that is... Very close to resolution, it seems. Yeah. There is the Nynaeve and Elaine and Mogidian stuff. And then there is kind of a C plot of the Saladar Aes Sedai. Yes, there's the whole thing with Swan and Min. Yeah. 
that we have to deal with. That was the okay. other. I was like trying to think of POVs. Yeah. And that's the main one that we're missing. And, and we that could very well end with them meeting up with Elaine and Nynaeve. They're right because Nynaeve. Now, that's the other thing that happens in the Nynaeve section. Yes, it is. Galad lets slip about Saladar, and she's like, "That's yeah. the place." Yeah, which like I know. I, that's a thing that definitely happens in real life, so I understand it. It happens to me all the time. All of the time. It's weird to see it in a book. It's weird to see Nynaeve know something and then have to have her memory jogged by somebody saying a random phrase. Yeah, it it because it wasn't set up that way at all before. This is only for plot reasons because they needed to kill time before they got to Saladar. If... Like, it's not, it wouldn't be weird to read that in a book if, like, it's a thing that happens to that character all the time. If, like, they stop halfway through the right. sentence and they're like, wait, what's that word? It's, we're five, not, we're not five books. We're, like, four and a half books in, four and seven, uh, seven-tenths of the way in. And she It is the only time this has happened. A lot of that is happening with Nynaeve. And that is, I'm just not about it. Yeah. It, this book is a weird book for Nynaeve, and it has Val and Luca in it, and I don't like it, because Val and Luca just takes up way too much time and provides no value It to does sound like I'm completely shitting on this book, and I'm not not completely shitting on this book, <laughs> but I'm also not not, com- I'm also not completely yeah. shitting on this book. It's far enough into where the things that you can complain about are kind of real. Yeah, so I think it, like... But from bottom up would be three, one, five. Really? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, <laughs> two, four. Yeah. Four is the best. Yeah. I mean, Perrin. yeah. Shadow Rising is really good. It's the lack of Perrin that's doing it for this book, huh? Partially. Like, we got enough Matt, so that's... We get a lot of Matt. But Matt book. did not save book three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he saved it while I was reading it, but, like, I honestly think... The, the book three is going to be at the bottom. That's fair. I one, wonder how that's going to hold up to Crossroads of Twilight. <laughs> that's fair. And one will probably move up at some point. The, but right now, I just put it as, like, second to last because, like, I hadn't gotten invested in it. Yeah. And so, like, I I might like it more on reread. I think you definitely would now that you have all of the... Now that I care. I guess you don't have all of the... All of the story. But, yeah, you care. I you did not see... care during book one. Yeah. So that's why it's that's why it's just naturally at the bottom because it's like a I could have not read this book. Like, yeah. it could have been an email sort of because I didn't care. Yeah. But it's, it's better than book three. Book one is an investment. You are investing in liking the series. Yes. Books two and up are still investment, but... Two's good. You start to get a return on your investment a lot more. I liked book two. It was a fun. It was a basically a heist. Like they were looking for a thing. The pacing. It was a a quest. Yeah. I like quests. Yeah. The the pacing of book two is is pretty solid. There was like one plot and then they followed it throughout the whole thing and it was paced well. Like you had a couple side things, but it didn't those didn't really have enough plot points to really be considered plot. No. And here about 25% 25% of the way through The Shadow Rising is when all of the different plot points start to branch off and really not intersect. Because the Elaine and Nynaeve stuff has not touched another character at all. It is approaching other characters now, but it hasn't touched them. 
Nope. Yeah. Neither is the parent stuff. The parent stuff is kind of off on its own, too. I'm okay with that, though. And it's then there's okay. the Rand and Matt stuff. And eventually... They're just going to be stuck together. Matt's going to keep trying to leave. Because <laughs> he's a lover, not a fighter. As ba- <laughs> That was basically yep. a quote that was in the book. He's like, I'm not a soldier. I am a gambler. I am a lover. Yeah. Like, he, does, right, he does worry about having left Melindra. He did kill Kooladin, though, so I think she's going to forgive him. Well, yeah. You kill Kooladin, you get forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, she well, might not have noticed. Fair, she don't. might not have noticed that he left. Because she did leave before busy. him. That's true. And then, and like, the to second... To be fair, though, we don't know if Kooladin is dead. Yeah, Kooladin We dead. assume he's been defeated because the battle is over. Uh, yeah, we'll find out throughout the rest scene, of this section there's of There's the a book. scene... That I'd like to see about it. Well, if, we're probably going to find out whether he's dead or not in the last 15% of this book, but he's dead. <laughs> sure. Even if he's not actually dead, he's about to be dead. And either way... Rand's just going to kill him. Rand's just going to have him killed. And either way, Matt was the reason for that to happen. Yeah. Whether he pulls the trigger or not, he killed Kooladin. Okay. If you capture him and then he's sentenced to death, you killed him. That's fair. Could they... Even senses him to death? He's a yield. Would he just be made guy shine? Nah, Rand is going to kill him. Yeah, probably. Rand has been threatening to hang any Aiel that take more than the fifth. Yeah. So. That is true. And he brings the change. He does do that. And he, they have to kill him because he's already demonstrated that he no longer has Aiel honor. That's true. He enough to be guy shine. Yeah, he doesn't really follow J.E.T.O. anymore. Because he's just taking slaves. Yeah. He follows what he thinks it is, which is not actually what it is. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's kind of what the Aiel started out doing. And he's doing it because he's like, well, the car car and brings change. So yeah. I'm going to change shit. But he's not doing it because he feel like he needs to. He, I feel like it coming from a place of like, I never agreed with these rules. Like I was a, mm. I was a person who didn't agree with this from the beginning. And now I'm. It's just an excuse used, to do what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. He has those vibes. He does. Kooladin is the worst. Kooladin is the worst. Has he taken that title away from Leandrin? Who can't really be the worst anymore. No. Leandrin hasn't, or Kooladin hasn't falsely given people a sense of security and then sold them into slavery. (laughs) No. That's a pretty high bar. He skipped the first part and just went straight for part two. Yeah, which is not as bad. Say so. Like Leandrin's awful. He at least Kooladin is what you get on the tin. Yeah, Leandrin like, is deceptive and Leandrin is a bowl of Skittles that you thought were M and M's. Yeah, Kooladin is a bowl of Skittles when you wanted a bowl of M and M's. Hold up, are you saying Skittles are bad? Do I need to leave now? Honestly, yeah. Skittles are amazing. Skittles are all right, but I want M and M's. I I don't always want M and M's. I always want chocolate. Nah. Sometimes you want some, like, fruit candy. This is not a fruit candy or chocolate candy podcast. Like, Kooladin, but just with the metaphor, Kooladin is a bowl of Skittles when you want a bowl of M&M's. Okay. But you know it's a bowl of Skittles, and you're like, all right, I like, it is what it is. Yeah. Leandrin is a bowl of Skittles that you thought was a bowl of M&M's. Very fair. Which is not cool. That it, they both differ in that, like, even if it's not a bowl of M&M's, if I look at a bowl of Skittles, I still will enjoy the Skittles. I don't enjoy Kool-Aid or Leandrin. No. No. 
Like, and after the initial, like, I thought these were M&M's and now they're Skittles. It's like, all right, well, they're Skittles at least. It's still candy. Leandrin <laughs> <laughs> is not still candy. No. No, she is not. She is the worst. She is black licorice. <laughs> Never want to eat black licorice. I mean, fitting, because she's black Aja. There we go. Yeah. But is she... Th- I don't think she's the worst anymore, because... She just can't be. Yeah. I honestly would not be surprised if we never hear from Leandrin again. We might not. And, I honestly don't remember. Or at least her POV. Like, mm, we might see yeah. Leandrin via Mogidian. Yeah. That's but true. other than that, like, I would not be surprised if we never hear from Leandrin again. Yup. All right. I think we've covered just about everything there is to cover in this section. A lot happens, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, a battle happens. They win the battle. Yep. Rand falls down. Yep. Matt does not leave. Matt does not leave. He's still with them. Nynaeve gets shot at with arrows. Yep. The end is nigh for Val and Luca's traveling circus, or at least our time with them. Yeah, he's going to continue continue doing on. They're not going to, like, burn the circus down. I wonder what's going to happen with the woman with the elephants. Because they've made her kind of important. Sort of. They just bring her up a lot. Yeah. It's the Wheel of Time. There are a lot of characters. <laughs> yeah. Like, why does Ragan have a name? Who? He's like one of the Shinarans. Oh, that was just so that they didn't have to go the other Shinaran dude the entire time. Yeah. Which, like, fair. That's, yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Anyway, let's do some recurring segments. Visions, auras, general prophecies. There was a lot of lightning. There was a lot of lightning. Rand and lightning. Yes. Other than that, I don't really think anything came up. Not really. Pretty self-contained. Yeah. I don't think... We also haven't seen Min for a while. I don't think the lightning vision for Rand is a specific thing. He is a an agent of chaos, basically. Yeah. I think that's just, where is Rand? There might be lightning. Yeah. That's just a... Metaphorical or literal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also don't think there are anything else. What about ships? Ship update. Avienda still has a bad for Rand. Yeah. I, maybe he's good in bed. He Something tells me if you can channel the one power, you are better than average in bed. I also think that Rand is eager to please, which Probably. goes a long way. Yeah. Like, if you want to do good, you're going to do good. Also, he's a sword master. He knows how to to move and use his sword. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is a sword master. <laughs> All right. Favorite moment? I think it's probably Matt like being like, I'm leaving now. Ah, damn it. Turning around. Yeah. There are a couple different Matt ones I like. I like when he's in the map place, when he's looking at the maps and Rand's tents. Uh I also like how all of the Kyrianan and Tyran like lords are like, yeah, you're an excellent general. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I think it's I think it's the Tyran and Kyrianan lords calling him really good at tactics. Like, yeah. oh, you must have seen a charge or two. You're young, but you're not dumb. Yeah, obviously it makes sense because you're friends with the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, they're all just like, ah, these young kids. Yeah. Clearly that's how they're making them these days. Yeah. So I think that is my favorite moment. And we actually have a new recurring segment. Dallas plugs her book. Yes, I wrote a romance novel. What do we need to know about your book? Well, it's called Queried Sick. It is about 
two bisexual disasters falling in love while working together at a publishing company during the pandemic. It will be out on May 2nd. It is now officially up for pre-order as well, which is exciting. Yeah. You can pre-order the ebook on Amazon where I will be selling it exclusively. There will be a print pre-order on Amazon and other places that you can buy books coming soon. If you would like information about when that will be, you can sign up for my newsletter and get any other information about my book at authordallassmith.com, which we will put the link address for that in the episode description. Yeah. Well, I haven't read it yet because you won't let me. I'm having you read it strategically. <laughs> yes. I am a strategic reader, I suppose. I needed a last set of eyes on it who hasn't seen it so yes. that I can know if there's anything else wrong. So I can't confirm if it's good or not, but I trust you and I think you're a good writer in general. So I'm, I'm, I think it's good. So Queried Sick, out May 2nd and available for pre-order now on Amazon. You can find links and further information about the book at authordallassmith.com. Link will be in our episode description. All right. This was The Fires of Heaven, chapters 40 through 44. Next episode, we will be reading and discussing chapters 45 through 49. Bye. Bye.